Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Mike Cox, C-O-X is his last name. Last time he was on the show, we talked about a two-part book. The first part of the book uh, was titled The Texas Rangers Wearing the Cinco Peso. 1821 to 1900. So you can go back and listen to that in my archives. And that's the first part. The second part of that book is the Texas Rangers wearing uh, time of the Rangers, the Texas Rangers, 1900 to present. So the first part, again, is is our earlier interview. But today we're going to talk about a really fascinating book, part of history that I didn't know. I lived in Texas, Dallas for a while. So I'm kind of familiar with this type of space in between Austin, Waco, and Dallas involving this. And the title of the book we're going to talk about is Train Crash at Crush, Texas, America's Deadliest Publicity Stunt. It was published in 2019. Mike Cox is a native Texan born in Amarillo long enough ago to be in the sophomore class of baby boomers. He began his newspaper career at the San Angelo Standard Times in 1967, reviewing Texas-related books. In addition to reviewing books, Mike has also written over 35 published nonfiction titles, and the, his best-selling and longest work is the two-volume history of the Texas Rangers that I just mentioned, and his website is his full name with author at the end, so it's www.mikecoxauthor.com, and some of his other titles, I can't, I'm not going to go into all 35, but some of the other ones are Legends and Lore of the Texas Capitol, Texas Ranger Tales, Hard Writing Stories from the Lone Star State, Gunfight Insights in Texas Ranger History, Time of the Rangers, which I already mentioned, Remembering Texas Lawmen, and um, those are just a few of the many titles he's done. Very well knowledgeable about Texas history in particular. So I'm delighted to have him back. Mike Cox, welcome back to the show. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. I appreciate being back on. And if I could correct one thing, uh, please do. Uh, my website is uh, all one word, MikeCoxAuthor.com. Okay. I, that, I, I think you used uh, an older website, but. Uh, Okay, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah, um, so I'll problem. put that in the show notes. Sorry about that. Sure. So for people who may not have heard our last interview about the Texas Rangers, can you kind of talk a little bit about what led you to write this book, Train, Crash at Crush, Texas? Sure. Uh, I've uh, worked quite a bit with a, a publishing company in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, uh, History Press. Uh, and uh, my editor there, I've done probably I don't know, four or five, six books uh, with him. Uh, he approached me and he said, uh, uh, would you like to do a, a book on the crash at Crush? And uh, I didn't have to ask him what that was because, uh, uh, and I'll get, I'll get to that in a minute, but I certainly was uh, familiar with it. And I told him, no, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to do that. And I don't know why I said that uh, now. Uh, but I suggested a, a friend of mine, an old newspaper buddy of mine. And so I got the two of them together and I didn't hear any more about it for I don't know, two or three months. And I asked my friend, well, how are you going on the book? And he said, oh, I decided not to do it. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, it's too much work. And I, I can certainly agree with that. So uh, I uh, picked up the project and uh, I'm really glad I did because it, it's, uh, it's really an interesting story uh and as i said it's one that i that i knew about uh uh i went to a a junior high school in austin uh and it was right next to the main line uh railroad tracks of the 
Missouri, Kansas, and Texas Railroad, better known as the Katy. So uh, I was in junior high school long enough ago uh, where there were still passenger trains. Uh, Katy still, this was pre-Amtrak back in the early 60s. So every day that uh, Katy uh, Texas Special uh, came, uh, came through uh, past the school uh, on its way to San Antonio via Austin from Dallas. So I knew, I knew about what the Katy was. And then uh, about the same time when I was in probably the, I don't know, seventh, uh, eighth grade, uh, we, were, we were studying Texas history. And the Austin American Statesman ran a story on uh, the Katy crash, uh, which I still have and, and kept all those years. So <laughs> that's how I came to, uh, to write the book. And it's, it's just such a cool story. Uh, it's been optioned as a, a, a movie. Now, oh. uh, uh, option is a long way from production, <laughs> but still it's the first step. And it's the first one of my books to actually get a contract, contracted option. Well, congratulations. Thanks. It's cool. I mean, there's a lot of history in it. It's like a snapshot in time, too, of the late 1900s as well. Can you kind of talk about Texas in that era and the importance of trains and the technology and kind of Katie stands for it stands for um, Kansas, Texas. And what was the other state? Um, it was well, it's a, uh, Missouri, Kansas and Missouri, Texas Kansas, Railroad. Texas. Uh, again, great, great marketing on the part of the company. Uh, at some point, it occurred to them. A lot of people started calling it the Katy Railroad because in MKT, obviously, the K and the T are together. And somebody, it occurred to somebody, oh, that sounds like Katy. So uh, their advertising folks uh, drew a, a sort of 1890s uh, Gibson girl uh, style woman uh, who they named Katy. And she became the... Uh, she became the, uh, uh, the, the image of the Katy Railroad, which was pretty cool. So really, I, I list Katy, the, the advertising gal, as uh, the first character uh, in my book. But railroads, of course, did uh, play a huge part in Texas. Uh, Texas was sort of slow in getting railroads. Uh, didn't really have a, uh, an out-of-state railroad connection until... Uh, 1872, I believe it was, and it was the MKT Railroad. It came, it started in St. Louis, Missouri, and, and uh, moved through uh, uh, Missouri to Oklahoma, which at, at that time, of course, was not a state, uh, and then came into Texas uh, after crossing the Red River at Denison, Texas, turning Denison into a, a wild west, uh, wild and woolly town back in the 1870s. But uh, the railroads grew in Texas uh, uh, pretty rapidly after that by, by the uh, uh, early 1880s. Within about 10 years, Texas had been crossed by the uh, first Southern Transcontinental Railroad, the Southern Pacific Railroad, uh, then known as the Texas Pacific. Uh, so that created, of course, uh, uh, towns sprang up along the railroad. And, uh, you know, it was a great, it really helped develop uh, modern texas and and uh, it really was the i guess the beginning of of uh high technology in texas right so that was like the technology of that era was this steam train and there's a map in your book showing kind of the route going through uh from waco to dallas of the mkt but 
there were changes being made as these were being upgraded, right? And that's kind of the, the precedent to the train crash at Texas, right? Well, it was it was one of the things that uh, led to it. Uh, uh, but to get back to the times, uh, the, the uh, mid-1890s, a pretty rough time in American history. Uh, uh, in 1893, the nation went into the worst financial slump uh, to that point in its in its history. Uh, and there was also a big, very, very complicated issue about whether uh, uh, the U.S. currency should be based on, on gold or silver, which became a huge uh, a huge political fight. And it's, it, was, it took me a long time to kind of wade through that and figure it out. Uh, and then uh, in 1893, uh, a World's Fair opened in Chicago. Uh, and that's critical because uh, the, the guy who came up with the idea of crashing two perfectly good railroad locomotives together uh, for profit uh, lived in Chicago. So it, it, uh, it all kind of tied in together. Yes, that was a, a character by the name of Alfred Streeter. And really, I guess he'd be the second uh, interesting character in the book because uh, he's the, as I said, he's the one who uh, uh, invented uh, crashing railroads for fun and profit. Um, and uh, he did so in, in 1896. Uh, he had kind of worked his way up uh, uh, from being what they called a, a news butch, uh, which was a, a kid, uh, ragamuffin sort of kid who would uh, uh, peddle uh, newspapers and uh, uh, candy, cigars, you know, anything he could carry on his person. And whenever a train would stop at a station, well, the, the news butch would get on board and, and go down the aisles of the passenger cars and, you know, peddle his products. Well, Streeter did that. And uh, uh, one of the tricks he did and, and other newsboys, uh, you know, kind of the same thing. Think when you fly on an airplane, if you're reading a newspaper, what do you do with it? Well, you usually leave the, the newspaper uh, in your seat uh, when you leave the plane. Well, people did the same thing in trains. So this kid uh, was smart enough to, he would repeat his rounds and go and pick up the newspapers that he'd sold for a penny or two uh, and uh, uh, get them reorganized and sell them again. So uh, he was that kind of a, that kind of a character. And then he, he went to work for the railroads, which so many people did back then. And uh, uh, Chicago was a major center for both railroad trafficking and, and, uh, uh, manufacture of, uh, of railroad parts and equipment, uh, the uh, uh, Pullman cars, which were the, uh, the, the cars that uh, folks could uh, sleep in when they were traveling across the country, were manufactured in Chicago. So uh, Streeter sort of moved up through the ranks uh, uh, in, uh, with, in a railroad company and uh, went from being a brakeman, which is a very dangerous job, and eventually became a conductor. Uh, but in between, uh, he was on a crew that would uh, go out and uh, uh, handle train crashes. Uh, if a train went off the track or if, if two trains happened to collide, uh, you know, he, he was on the crew that would use steam equipment to... Uh, to get the debris off the uh, the railroad track and get the track uh, 
uh, up and running again as soon as possible. Well, one of the things that he noticed in doing this was that uh, uh, people love a train wreck. Uh, I guess that's no surprise, but people still love a train wreck, uh, uh, a metaphorical train wreck, uh, i.e. disasters. So he noticed that, uh, you know, people would come out to the, if it was reachable, come out to the scene of a, of a railroad crash and, and uh, take pictures and, you know, pose next to the debris. And he apparently was an inventive sort. And, and at some point in 1896, a light bulb went off and he thought, you know, why don't I stage uh, the crash of two perfectly good locomotives together and charge people money to see it. And so he uh, uh, talked to a railroad company up there in uh, Illinois into uh, uh, donating two obsolete uh, engines uh, in exchange for a piece of the of the gate. And then Streeter started advertising uh, that he was going to uh, have a great show where he was going to have two uh, uh, steam engines crash together, sold tickets. And the first show uh, came off near uh, south of, uh, of Columbus, Ohio in the spring of 1896. So that's, uh, some people say that the, the so-called crash at crush, which I'll explain better in, in a second, but uh, some people say that, oh, you know, it was invented in Texas, but, uh, that's one Texas brag we we can't claim. It was invented by a guy from Chicago who was a quite interesting character, as I said. Yeah, he was kind of like a showman, like a P.T. Barnum of the Texas. It was very financially successful, too, right? Well, later. Uh, uh, he didn't do too well at staging the train crashes. He, he, I mean, he probably made a little walking around money, but uh, on, on one of the crashes he did... Uh, uh, too many people snuck in just like you know folks used to sneak in under the circus tent we had the same problem with these crashes so i think he made some money but he uh uh within a a year or so uh maybe two years he got out of the business and uh what he did do uh showing that he did have an inventive bent uh he invented some better parts uh for uh for brake systems for, for the railroad industry, got the patents on and uh, made a bunch of money. I mean, he ended up uh, becoming a, you know, what would be a millionaire today if he wasn't a millionaire back then. He became uh, quite wealthy, uh, which kind of led to, uh, to uh, his demise uh, later on. But anyway, it's at some point, uh, a uh, the general passenger agent for the, KD Railroad, who was stationed in Dallas or worked out of Dallas. Uh, obviously, he was a very literate sort and read newspapers. And and the uh, the crash uh, that Streeter put on in uh, in in Ohio uh, made the newspapers. And a, a fellow by the name of uh, William George Crush, uh, known by most of his contemporaries as Billy Crush. Uh, thought, uh, you know, that might be a way to both, uh, if, if the Katie did that, it'd be a way to, uh, A, get a bunch of free ink uh, by staging a train crash in Texas, and B, uh, the railroad could sell excursion tickets uh, all along its line 
uh, and work with other railroads to have a, a ticket sales system and get a lot of people uh, to Texas to see the crash of two steam engines. Well, he was able to sell it, sell the idea to the brass and Crush must have been a pretty good uh, organizer because he uh, he really did put together a, a, a great, uh, what must have been a great show. And, and uh, he showed too that he could not only think outside the box, but think outside the box car when, uh, when he finally started setting up the, uh, the crash, he, uh, they found two 1870s uh, steam engines that had seen their better days uh, and had the uh, Katie shops, uh, you know, get them up, up to standard to run again. And, and uh, uh, one was painted green and one was painted red, which was a, a dramatic flare. Uh, and then also Crush had the bright idea of, of uh, selling advertising uh, by uh, stretching canvas over the sides of these boxcars uh, so that uh, vendors could, uh, or advertisers could buy space. Uh, uh, a big hotel in Dallas, one of the, uh, the uh, put up a, an ad for it. And then uh, uh, he also uh, advertised the uh, circus and other things. So it was a, a really a very impressive event and or would be an impressive, impressive event. Well, Crush uh, uh, went up and down the, the, the main line for Katy in Texas, and he found a, a site that uh, was 13 miles north of Waco uh, that the landscape made it sort of a natural amphitheater. Uh, you know, it, uh, there, was, there was high ground on either side of the railroad track where, uh, you know, it would be easy for people to stand and, and see the crash. So. They brought in a large crew, something like 500 uh, railroad people, and basically built a, a little city. Uh, they built a, a depot and a, a, a telegraph shack or two uh, and uh, other sorts of amenities. Uh, they provided, uh, they, they brought water in as they got closer to the event. They brought uh, car railroad cars of water in and uh, actually laid laid pipe uh, and had spigots uh, throughout the viewing area where people could uh, could get a free drink on the Katy Railroad, uh, but uh, uh, they weren't giving out any free uh, drinking containers. They had a, uh, at each faucet, they had a, a, a cup, I presume a tin cup, uh, but it was chained to the, to the faucet so somebody couldn't uh, walk off with one of the the cups, but it showed the detail that that uh, Billy Crush uh, looked into as he, uh, you know, uh, began developing uh, this event. And so the next thing he did, once he had the uh, uh, the site pretty well set up, is a, a real intense promotional campaign. Uh, uh, the 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 doomed railroad or the doomed railroad engines, as they called them, uh, uh, were taken on the tour to various places along the Katy line and uh, Crush proved to be something of a, of a real genius in uh, uh, getting the publicity that he wanted. Uh, he, he, uh, he, knew how, he knew how to care and feed uh, newspaper reporters. Uh, you know, one, one thing he had was the ability to give, uh, give out free passes to the Katy system. And of course the, uh, that's 
that's part of the old freedom of the press uh, joke. Uh, uh, you know, back then the r- reporters were paid very much, uh, and uh, they were always happy to get a freebie. So he, Crush, was a very hell fellow, well met sort of guy, and and uh, uh, through that was able to really engineer, uh, so to speak, some good uh, good publicity. Right, he so he was, yeah, he's very right. savvy. Sorry, please continue. Oh, he he was he was a he really was a, a savvy character. I I, uh, I tried to learn as much about him as I could because uh, he was really an interesting character. But uh, uh, he he later married, but uh, never had any kids, and so uh, uh, I was never able to to find any uh, any descendants of his uh, and. So if he if he had letters or a diary or anything like that, uh, uh, they've either been destroyed or or uh, somebody somewhere that has not heard about the crush crush uh, has them, which I don't think is very likely. Uh, but among the other things he did, he hired a, uh, uh, a photographer out of Waco, which I said is only 13 miles south of the little instant town of Crush, Texas, which he, by the way, named after himself. <laughs> Uh, which I think he was well deserved since he came up with the idea. Anyway, he hired this character named Jervis uh, Dean uh, and uh, to take photographs of the crash. So uh, they built a, a special wooden uh, viewing area not for VIPs and also a, a stand for for uh, Dean to uh, take photographs of the of the event. They also invited a character by the name of Emil Rector, who uh, was a pioneer in the in the film industry. And Crush brought him in to actually make a, uh, a moving picture of the of the crash. So uh, the, all he had to do then was set a date, which they uh, uh, set for September 15th, uh, 1896. And the uh, on and that they- day, Right. Sorry to interrupt, but they like tested it out. Didn't he have engineers who said, yeah, this is what the consequences will be. And they, they had already thought they safety tested everything, right? Yes. They, well, sort of, they, uh, uh, they certainly tested the engines and they had, uh, uh, did some mock once the equipment arrived at the site. Well, they, uh, you know, did a, a, a test run, uh, short of crashing into each other. Uh, and, uh, so yes, uh, that 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 part of the work was done, and during the process of uh, uh, fitting up the uh, the steam engines, uh, at least one KD uh, train engineer uh, approached Crush and said, "Hey, uh, if you do this, uh, there's a, a high danger that uh, one or both of the uh, steam boilers will explode," and you know, I, I think it went all the way up to the president of the of the railroad and, and somehow, and again, there are no records to support this, uh, but somehow either through Crush's uh, gift of gab, uh, you know, somehow uh, he convinced the, uh, the higher ups that it would be safe and the uh, engineer's uh, prediction that there could be trouble was uh, in the end ignored. Right. And but he was such like you said, he was such a successful uh, promoter that uh, more people showed up than expected. Right. Yes, it was. uh, uh, It was amazing. Uh, The uh, 
you know, crowd estimates are always uh, uh, suspect and hard to confirm. But, uh, you know, there were some evidence or some uh, sources that said uh, uh, some 30,000 people showed up for the big event. Uh, I've seen other sources that said 40K. I've seen it all the way up to 50K. Either way, either from 30, 40, or 50, on that day, which was September 15th, 1896, uh, Crush, Texas, was the biggest city in Texas. Uh, it, it had more, there were more people there than lived in Galveston, which was one of the big cities, than lived in Waco, which was a big city. Uh, Houston and Dallas were both, uh, <clears throat> not. I mean, they were growing and they were large cities, but <clears throat> they were not as large as Crush was, nor was San Antonio. So, uh People poured in from uh, from all over, primarily from all over Texas. I've seen, I saw some person's account that said uh, people came from as far away as New York. I don't, I don't believe that. I certainly never, <clears throat> I didn't, I didn't ever find any evidence of that. Uh, I'm sure some people came <clears throat> from uh, elsewhere in the Katy system, which could have been all the way up to. Uh, uh, to uh, uh, St. Louis, but I don't think he might have came from New York. <coughs> but that was, but Mike, that was kind of how they made the money was getting people to the event, right? That yes. was the yes. revenue they generator. They didn't charge a, uh, you know, Streeter had had charged an admission, uh, but uh, the way the railroad did it was to uh, uh, just ask people to, or, or you know, sell tickets to to get there, and they had it at a remote location. Now, they still had some issue with uh, uh, people slipping in and and uh, trying to see it for for free. Uh, primarily, those were were local local residents. <clears throat> and Trump, I mean, or, or Crush had. Uh, uh, I think he thought he'd covered everything. I mean, he he uh, hired a bunch of uh, uh, specially commissioned uh, 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 McLennan County uh, uh, folks to be uh, constables. Uh, they you know had arrest arrest and law enforcement authority there for for uh, that part of the county. Uh, he crush crush had a, a a white horse that he rode, uh, and he rode around the crowd trying to. Uh, Make sure that people stayed back within the the uh, safety lines that they had set up. And I, I don't know if, if if he simply did not have enough people to control that larger crowd, which is what I think. Uh, but it enabled people on the uh, uh, the eastern side of the crash site uh, to a lot of people slipped in and filled up that eastern side. Now to to put this in a geographical orientation, for those not familiar with Texas, you can pretty much drive, draw a straight line from San Antonio uh, north uh, through Austin, Waco, and then up to Dallas. <clears throat> so that uh, uh, the event then was on north-south axis. Well, uh, on the west side of that axis, uh, on the which is to say the tracks is where uh, crush uh, had the the viewing area set up and 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 again he they cleverly uh, licensed uh, vendors to sell lemonade there and uh, 
uh, probably there was a lot of uh, uh, whiskey and beer sold, even though it's that's not mentioned in the stories. Maybe even some gambling. Um, but uh, they also set up a large circus tent and had a, a, a food operation in there with a railroad uh, served food. But anyway, so all of the people who came in uh, via train to see the event, uh, almost all of them uh, were on the west side of the tracks. Uh, the, the footprint of Interstate 35 covered up some of that area, but uh, a lot of it's still there and a lot of it's uh, still just farmland. Uh, farmers for years plowed up. Uh, oh, well, I give that away. I, I better not give that away. I'll tell later on what the farmers did. But uh, uh, so that was a problem, having people slip in. I think you said that there were 30 special excursion trains. So like it was a big event. People were being drawn in from all over Texas, right? Yeah, they were coming in from all over. Uh, uh, what they would do is uh, they would come to the site. Uh, obviously, they did not park the, you know, that many railroad passenger trains uh, in that area. Uh, they would come in and then uh, back up, or, you know, discharge all the paying passengers and then back up. Like, for instance, uh, there was a, a larger rail yard at, uh, at Hillsboro, which is north of, of there. And so the, a lot of the trains uh, backed up on the main line uh, to, uh, to Hillsboro. Some backed up down to or back down to, to Waco. So that's how they uh, handled that. But yeah, there, uh, uh, I think it was 33 uh, train loads of, of people came in and uh, they were ready to ready to party. I mean, if you look at some of the some of the pictures taken uh, by this guy, Jervis Dean, there's one that just shows the. Uh, before the crash, it just shows the ground where the spectators are just covered with trash. So I don't know if the railroad ended up cleaning up all that paper and bottle trash or not, but uh, uh, they certainly didn't have any, didn't look like they had thought to have any trash cans on the site. Maybe, uh, maybe they did. Maybe they were full. And you have a lot of those pictures in the book. You have a lot of D Dean stuff before the crowd got to the wreck, the crowd at the wreck. So a lot of yes. this photographs are here the trains just as they struck so really fascinating little snapshot of history there so what happened next on the day of the event september 15th 1896 well the big day uh one weird thing about september 15th 1896 and I've, I've never figured this out and i've never seen any mention in any of the newspaper coverage why in the world uh would such a promoter as billy crush have decided to to do it on uh, a Tuesday. It, uh, it doesn't doesn't make sense. Uh, it is amazing he got as many people as he did on a Tuesday, but that excluded school kids and uh, you know people who had jobs that that could have come to the site if they'd done it on a Saturday. Uh, probably didn't do it on the on a Sunday because of you know people going to the church. But uh, anyway, that's an interesting thing. But. Uh, the crowd built all day long. It was a typical uh, hot Texas day. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people think September 15th is fall, and it is in some places in the nation, but not in Texas generally. So uh, this huge crowd built up. Crush uh, worked pretty hard uh, to try to keep everybody, as I said, uh, where they should be. Uh, and finally, even even threatened to cancel the event if people didn't move back because everybody was trying to, you know, get the the best view they possibly could. 
But finally, uh, uh, they had uh, a telegraph uh, set at each of the of the uh, uh, ends where the where a train was. Uh, they were I forget not exactly, but they were a mile or so uh, apart, just you know far enough apart to build up enough speed before they they crashed together. So uh, they were able to communicate with the uh, locomotive engineers uh there uh that way and get the word to them that we're ready to go and then uh as the engineers were ready to push back on the throttle uh crush uh dropped his hat or, or put took his hat off his head and and dropped it down and that was the signal to go and so the the uh, trains uh started building up speed the uh crews which would which included a uh, uh of course the engineer and a and a fireman uh jumped out of the uh of the uh cabs of the of the locomotives before they you know built up enough speed to, to make that dangerous one hot dog engineer uh waited until the very last second and everybody was scared to death that for some reason he had uh, uh opted not to get out of the train or it had gotten stuck or something bad had happened to him but he was just showboating and he was the last guy to, to drop out so uh, uh, up in the photo stand, uh, this guy Jarvis Dean was snapping away on the shutter and, and uh, uh, captured pictures of the locomotives uh, uh, when they were still just uh, uh, separated. And then he, he uh, took one picture just as they uh, closed. And then, unexpected but predicted by one of the engineers, the two trains crashed together. They were going and estimated 50 miles an hour a piece. Uh, never was hugely good at math, but I do understand that uh, uh, when you have something moving 50 miles an hour, the actual force of a collision, if the other object is going 50 miles an hour, is 100 miles an hour. So it was a, a you know a lot of a lot of mass involved in those heavy trains and a lot of force involved. So they crashed together quite quite spectacularly. I mean, Crush got exactly uh, uh, what what he had promised to, to deliver with one unfortunate exception, and that was that the boilers did indeed explode. And that sent uh, hot shrapnel out into the, into the crowd, including a inch and a half long uh, bolt uh, from one of the trains that pierced the, the uh, eye of this uh, one, one of the eyes of this photographer uh, pulling him out of the game but uh, he snapped the shutter uh, just as the uh, explosion occurred so it's, it's a really a remarkable picture where you can actually see the uh, debris uh, heading in his direction right before he got hit right. uh, it, blew, it blew up like a grenade like just tiny little yeah. parts it's just like a grenade going yeah. off uh -huh. a giant grenade going yeah. off and uh, uh Amazingly, uh, the uh, photographer was not killed, uh, but uh, two of the spectators were killed. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, of uh, incorrect things published about the, the uh, crash, and one of them says that three people were killed at the scene. Uh, actually, two people were killed uh, by the uh, flying uh, debris, uh, six or so. Uh, somewhere between six and nine, I can't remember, were, uh, were injured. Uh, and uh, the other fatality <laughs> occurred uh, after the crash 
as the trains were picking people up and taking them back to whatever station they purchased the ticket from. Well, one guy apparently had been overserved during the event, uh, had was drunk and was trying to walk between the one car and another of the cars and was so drunk that he fell off the train and got run over by the train. So I, uh, and killed, I, I still count that as a crush related fatality, but it was not directly, directly, uh, connected to the explosion itself. Crush to his credit, uh, once he realized that the crash had injured and, and killed people, uh, you know, ordered, uh, one of the trains, to uh, immediately or as soon as possible take the victims uh, south to Waco. Uh, one of the interesting things I learned in researching this book is that uh, the major railroad companies uh, uh, hired and actually kept a doctor on the payroll as a, as a uh, uh, you know, a consultant uh, in, in each of the major uh, communities along their route. And of course, Waco was a a big Waco center, I mean, a big railroad center with uh, a lot of different lines going through. So Crush had a, or, or the Katy Railroad had a, a doctor on retainer there in in Waco. So of course, they didn't have a hospital. There was a large, uh, nice hotel downtown. So the the uh, injured and, and dead were taken uh, by train uh, to Waco uh, from, from, from the train station. They were taken by by carriage uh to the uh, this hotel where uh, a doctor treated those and there was a a a surgeon in waco and like i said waco at that time was one of texas's major cities so that's kind of explains why they had a fair amount of people and talent there but this surgeon was european trained in medicine and and uh, really apparently quite talented for the for the day so uh, no one thought that this photographer would would even survive, but the uh, the surgeon there at the hotel, which again is pretty amazing, uh, operated on the guy, removed the uh, bolt from his eye. The bolt had actually gone all the way through his eye and had penetrated into the the brain, uh, which you know would kill most people. But apparently. Uh, this photographer, it was his lucky day in a way because uh, uh, the bolt apparently uh, uh, injected itself in a part of the brain that uh, didn't uh, uh, cause him to lose any uh, particular function or that was that was ever reported. Uh, and I thought that was a pretty interesting, interesting thing. Well, of course, uh, uh, Crush, because of the deaths, got even more publicity than, than he had imagined. Uh, the legend is that uh, he was immediately summoned to the uh, corporate headquarters in uh, uh, St. Louis and summarily fired. Um, but that is just a, a, a legend. Uh, he, he was summoned to headquarters. It, uh, he went to Waco and spent the night and then caught the next fast Katy train to St. Louis the next morning. Uh, but the president of the railroad uh, sort of said, uh, well, you know, you got us a lot of good publicity and, and made us some money, but uh, uh, don't do it again. I mean, I, 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 that's conjecture on my part, but, but what the president did not do was fire him. 
uh, no evidence at all that I've been able to find that he was actually fired. <clears throat> There's also a legend that the railroad uh, uh, settled the various uh, suits that were filed. Uh, the perception is that, that all of the families of all of the victims filed lawsuits uh, and that uh, Katie not only paid each of them, you know, X amount of money, it depends on what source you, you see, uh, and gave them a lifetime pass on the, on the Katie Railroad. Well, I went to the uh, I went to the uh, 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 record storage area for McLennan County and actually looked up the lawsuits. Only two lawsuits were filed, uh, and I actually held them and read both of them probably for the first time since 1896. They'd just been filed away and covered in dust. Anyway, the settlement was not for what people claim it was, and there was no mention whatsoever of a lifetime pass on the on the Katy Railroad. So the railroad got up, got off pretty, pretty cheap on the deal. Pretty light, right. And you go and you talk about the epilogue, the lives of the people who were affected. And I, I, one of the fascinating things in the book is the appendix. You would never, I would not know that there was 150 of these staged crashes all over the country. It's really incredible. Yeah, that, that was a, a, a real surprise. I, I knew I think going in or, or pretty early on, I, I found that there had been other crashes, um, but I didn't realize that it had, that it became a, a, a fad uh, until I uh, started researching this book. Uh, there was a, a, a character out of Iowa uh, named Joe Connolly, and there's no evidence that he uh, came to, to crush to see the event, but like I said, it it made uh, newspapers across the nation. So he, he must, he surely must have, have seen uh, an article about the crash in Texas. And so he decided, uh, he was a farmer uh, by background, but he decided to go in the train crashing business uh, and uh, proceeded to, uh, uh, to do just that. And the amazing thing is he started in the 1890s and he continued doing that all the way through the early 1930s. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. He made a, a career out of it. Uh, and as, as, you, as you said, there were some 130 or so uh, crashes uh, literally all across the nation. Now, Connolly did not do all of them. Uh, it, it became such a thing that, that some other promoters tried to, but Connolly did the most of them uh, and uh, became most noted. In fact, uh, uh, he earned his nickname that way. He became known as Joe Head-On Connolly um, and uh, did it until he retired in, in uh, I think it was 1932 or 1934. But, um, yeah. And then Crush, uh, uh, Billy Crush, not only stayed with the railroad, uh, he uh, uh, ended up with a 57-year career uh, in the railroad industry most of that time with the the katie railroad he eventually became a vice president and finally in the uh at some point in the in the late 1930s uh they uh gave him a uh, uh kind of a post or pre-retirement position you know sort of kicked him upstairs uh so that he could take it easy until he could retire but he did retire and what I found really touching about him was uh, two things, uh, or maybe I should say interesting rather than touching. The first interesting thing I found was that 
if he had any regrets for having essentially killed three people and uh, uh, wounded uh, uh, six or, or nine others, he never expressed it or it was never uh, it was never written about. Uh, uh, there were, you know, it was such a, a, a quirky story that, you know, there's been a, a steady uh, stream of stories done on it over the years. Though a fair amount of time it, it passed, it was not until the 1930s that I, that I, uh, the first kind of reminiscent story about the crash appeared. So for 25 years or so, uh, it was just kind of forgotten. Uh, but that was interesting. And the, 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 uh, the second thing interesting about Crush, the person, was that uh, uh, he would uh, hang out. He had, uh, he had pushed for the uh, construction of a, of a, a, a substation uh, for Katy uh, in Dallas. Uh, you know, the, Dallas had a large union station, but uh, Crush had seen to the construction of a smaller station in the, in the, the Ritzy Highland Park uh, area of Dallas. And uh, for, for most of the rest of his life, he would go to that station uh, and sit there and wait until the Texas special came in every day and would be there to uh, uh, greet people as they got off the train. Uh, just amazing. I mean, obviously the, the railroad, especially since he didn't have kids, uh, must have been, you know, basically what he's, the rest of his life was about. Yeah, remarkable. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a really a great book, and at the snapshot in time, and you've done so, such great research, you've integrated so many pictures and some of the pictures of this guy, Dean, and really captured that moment in time. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything uh, I missed before we wrap up the discussion about train crash at Crush, Texas? Well, I, I think a, a good ending is what happened to Alfred Streeter. He was the guy you know, who came up with the concept of crashing crane, trains. Uh, he made a, as I said, a ton of money uh, uh, as an inventor of railroad uh, brake parts, but uh, he apparently had a, a weakness for the uh, for female companionship. Uh, in the end, it was discovered that, uh, well, uh, back up the uh, the Chicago police would periodically uh, raid uh, uh, various hotels in the in Chicago that were believed to be fronts for prostitution or or other sorts of illicit activity. So uh, at some point in the, in the uh, I think it was around 1908 or seven, somewhere in there, uh, they raided a, a hotel in Chicago. And one of the people they found there was an underage gal. And uh, in searching her room, uh, they discovered that she was uh, Streeter's uh, young uh, uh, mistress. And so he... Uh, they found a bunch of love letters between the two of them. And apparently he was paying for piano lessons for her and made her all sorts of promises about turning her into a, a star. Uh, anyway, because of those letters, they were able to file on him for whatever Illinois uh, statue is uh, in regard to statutory rape. Uh, and then as they began to investigate him, they found that not only was he married while he uh, supported this girlfriend, he was married to somebody else as well. So he was both a bigamist and an adulterer. Uh, and apparently it all caught up with him when he got filed with, when he got filed on, he decided it would be nice to take a long vacation to Canada where at that time there was no extradition treaty. So he went, went and, and uh, hit out in, in Canada, but he was well connected and still had enough money left where Chicago being as 
generally corrupt as it was back in that era, somehow miraculously the indictment against him uh, ended up being uh, uh, quashed. And so, uh, but he ended up dying in a, uh, basically an insane asylum. So uh, oh, uh, talented a guy as he was, uh, uh, he did not have a happy ending. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And uh, where's the best place for people to get train crash at Crush, te Texas? Well, uh, happily, of course, you can get it on uh, on Amazon. It's it's right there for sale. It's on all the other major uh, uh, bookstore sites, uh, you know, Barnes and Noble and all the discount stores and, and uh, places like that. So it's pretty easy to find. Uh, and uh, uh, I hope people will enjoy reading about it. Like I say, it's a it's a, a pretty quirky thing, but it was. Uh, uh, Certainly, something that people can can use to get their mind off of the uh, depressing uh, international situation right now. Well, this is true. Yeah, right now on Amazon in the U.S., it has 15 five star ratings, very well deserved, and really, it just is a piece of Americana. It's a piece of history I didn't know about. I'm glad that I read through it. So, yeah, uh, really, know. great job. And the best place to contact you is through your website. Say your website again for me. Yes, it's uh, uh, all one word: Mike Cox Author. Uh, dot com. Gotcha. Uh, I didn't come up with that name, but it was the only one I could get. So. <laughs> gotcha. And that's and people can contact you through there, or do you have yes. other social media or anything? Okay. Yes, you. Uh -huh. you can reach me through through that website. So I will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for your yeah. time. Really great discussion. Yeah. Again, the title of the book is "Train Crash at Crush, Texas: America's Deadliest Publicity Stunt" by Mike Cox. Thanks so much for your time. Still there. Thank you for having me on. Yes, it was right, a lot well, of fun. All right. all right, stay there. Stay there.